0: Everybody's
1: working with that time jersey. So the Chiefs went on the road against a very good defense after a full offseason, just chock full of regression talk around Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense. And then they lost Tyreek Hill. They nearly lost Patrick Mahomes. I nearly lost my entire soul. And they still put up 40 points on the road in Jacksonville. With that, I would say Time's Ours. Welcome to Time's Ours here on The Athletic. So much to talk about today. The full crew's back together to talk about it all. I'm Joshua Briscoe alongside Seth Kaiser and one of the 14 people who actually saw the entire fourth quarter of yesterday's game, Nate Taylor. Nate, what was it like seeing an NFL
2: football game that literally dozens of people saw? Yeah, it was it was great. And I had the the game on my cell phone via my streaming uh application and when 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 CBS is like, We're gonna take you to a more competitive game, as as someone who is in, you know, who lives in Kansas City who's from Kansas City, I said, Uh hopefully they're doing that in Jacksonville and not in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And then you realize two seconds later. Oh no! Oh no! KCTV five. I feel so sorry for you. Um, <laughs> yes. And then five minutes later, you see the generator. You just see guys like scrambling in the like in the truck slash generator. Just like uh, uh, I don't know. Like it's fried. Like this the Florida sun. Who knew? Like you know, it was gonna it was gonna <laughs> explode on us. Um, so, yeah, I, I took it back to the 1940s. I hope people appreciated that on Twitter where I was providing play-by-play. I was essentially Iron Eagle for like eight minutes. And it felt good. Yes. It felt good on yes. Twitter. Uh, so if you were following along or, or needing thirsty for updates as to what happened um, in those garbage time moments, I am your guy. Just, just let you know. If something happens in Oakland Sunday... I got you for whatever <laughs> amount of time is necessary. So, but I don't think I, obviously CBS won't make that mistake again, right? With the Chiefs fans, um, Ugh, but Lord. yeah, they were they were subjected to they were subjected to Baker Mayfield throwing interceptions. So hey, I mean it could be so worse. many. Uh, Seth, uh, did you do you believe that Frank Clark
1: actually intercepted the Jags in the end of the game, or do you think it was all uh, a propaganda campaign for the defense? Uh,
0: it's I'm I'm all about the propaganda campaign I'm a conspiracy theory guy I personally I believe I believe two things in this world one is that Frank Clark didn't actually intercept that pass I don't even think they kept playing I think they all agreed like as soon as that happened I think Andy Reid crossed the field and was like look guys fellas this is over this is it it's over and they were all like yeah that's true Let's just tell Nate Taylor to tweet out some stuff that that may or may not have happened. So that's the first thing I believe. The second I believe is you'll never convince me that Telvin Smith did not go and smash that generator and whatever up WWE style. Or, like, you know, to go further back, like when the NWO was taking over everything in WCW, I think that's what happened. Telvin Smith just couldn't take it anymore. Or, no, wait. Miles Jack would have unplugged the entire yeah. thing. You know what? Maybe, you know what? Telvin Smith would be an even better twist when we think well, no, about. No, I mean
1: it. by the <laughs> end, like you said, that like, he probably meant Miles Jack. But also, that entire defense could have gone and just started yeah. like beating up equipment. Well, Miles seemed plausible.
2: If, if Jalen Ramsey wasn't cramped, he would also be there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, unplugging the, the buttons move anymore. <laughs> into, the, into the control center. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, yeah, the entire Jags
1: franchise was was probably looking to get that game off of television pretty much as quickly as possible, except for Gardner Minshew and his uh, immediate family, who was trying to get that on everyone's television like a oh, bad man. guy in any movie, like, this is your <laughs> final warning, but uh, it, Gardner Minshew <laughs> is taking this bleep over. That was really strange, and there's so many storylines. That we can go from, and I so I want to just let you guys choose where we go, but let's start with the offensive side of the ball. I'll limit you to that, um, so because we'll we'll certainly talk about both sides, and I think each side of the ball has a little bit of a different tenor to it today. Uh, but they put up forty points against the Jags, uh, it, it obviously like a a, a tremendous offensive result the process though didn't look like we thought it was going to because it included Sammy Watkins going the hell off uh and and as I said earlier no uh, Tyree kill so much going on on the offensive side uh
2: Nate what stood out to you as the most important storyline yeah honestly it's just the surprise of you know and I, and I wrote about this in the athletic and I hope people check it out but it's just the surprise of an entire season, all this build-up, all this yeah. talk about, hey, redemption and getting to the Super Bowl and maybe beating the Patriots or hoping to see them again come January. And to see your quarterback limp to, you know, and not not just any quarterback, like, you know, potential oh Hall of Fame God. athlete, mm-hmm. league MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only 23. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's at the prime of, like, all his capabilities. Like, to see him limp, take his helmet off, and, like, go into the, like, medical tent. And it wasn't, like – Hey, let's talk about it. Let's let you and Rick Burkholder have a conversation. It was like, no, he took a beeline straight to the tent. They pulled the tent up, and, you know, it's a 1,000 degrees outside anyway. And you're thinking, like, okay, so if I start looking at my watch, there's going to be a cart coming out, right? Like, they're going to cart him away just like they did Tyreek Hill a few minutes ago. And there's all this commotion because, obviously, they had the fight that ensued in the in the end zone where Miles Jack is wanting to swing at not only Sammy Watkins, but maybe a ref. And, like, can mm-hmm. they get him off the field? And all of a sudden, Matt Moore's warming up. But, like, I don't even remember Matt Moore in practice last week. So, like, oh, oh God, no. What what, what sort of game plan do they have for him? Like, I feel hey. sorry. Because, though, Calais Campbell, Ngakwe, Josh Allen, those dudes are maniacal. And they sandwiched, yeah. basically, Patrick Mahomes, which is why his knee ankle sort of Semi buckled on him, and then two minutes later he walks out of the out of the tent, and and it's just like okay, so this is this is just gonna be oh I guess this is just gonna be okay, and it was you know it was clear that Andy Reid changed his entire game plan because before that, and I know Seth can can go to this too, they were doing all this sort of max protection play action, throw that thing down the field or spread it out let somebody run a deep route or a or a clearing route for someone to get open in the middle of the field against the the Jaguars defense. So, it was it was interesting to see the game plan change in real time and Mahomes sort of recalculate his own decision making uh, because of the pass rush because he was really limited to, you know, being on one good wheel essentially. And he still threw for 378 yards and three <laughs> touchdowns and made no mistakes other than <laughs> staying in the pocket for one play um, when, the, when the Jaguars were clearly trying to intimidate him and were trying to blitz as much as possible to get to the quarterback. So on both sides, it makes sense. Like, hey, Jacksonville understood by the second quarter. Yeah, scrap everything out of the playbook. The only chance we have is hitting Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes yep. took that and said, okay, that's fine. Um, I'm going to sling it now in two seconds or less. Or I'm just gonna find the mismatch where Semi Watkins is on somebody that's you, Jalen Ramsey, and I'm just gonna keep picking you <laughs> until the game's over, and I'm gonna rack up s- these MVP-like numbers on a bad wheel. And as I as I wrote, like if you're Jacksonville and you know he beat you guys pretty clinically last year, to know you injured him and he still torched you, um, yeah. then that's got to be a mental that's got to be a mental hurdle that's gonna take some time to get over, but. Honestly, that's that's the season, right? Like we may not remember this in October or even November, but like this season was in peril in the second quarter in September and Patrick Mahomes rescued the team and sort of calmed everyone down by getting his ankle taped and playing still really, really efficient football. And I think uh, that's obviously the case about
1: the the long term where we might not remember it. And certainly the Jags are going to remember it because it kind of feels like their season just happened also. Uh, But as you mentioned, in in your piece up on The Athletic, which, by the way, if you want to get Friday episodes of this show, you got to subscribe to The Athletic. We're doing two a week. If you're not subscribed to The Athletic, you're not getting the second one. So what are you waiting on? Um, but but you, you mentioned there and you wrote a little bit about what Andy Reid did to adjust what the offense was doing because it visibly changed from pre-injury and post-injury to Patrick Mahomes. And I was incredibly impressed by Mahomes in that structure because while I think it's a little bit, uh, I guess, overblown in, in a lot of topics whenever people talk about Patrick Mahomes saying, oh, well, you know, well, what can he do in the pocket? I mean, Seth, you and I have talked about this a million times. He's always been excellent staying in the pocket, but it does take a piece of his game away where he can scramble around and create something and start doing the gunslinger stuff over uh, outside the hashes. Like, wait, this isn't how this position supposed to be played. How is he doing this? But with severe limitations, Seth, he was still, within those restrictions, Andy Reid really played to those. Everything moved a little more quickly, and he was still exceptional.
0: Yes, absolutely. I I do have to say one thing. As Nate was talking about, you know, the whole series of events, all I could think about as I, in retrospect, you know, the scene, now, Josh, this might fly over your head because you're 11, but you know the scene in Armageddon where Bruce Willis decides to take, yeah, see, I I told you. He said no immediately. (laughs) Yeah, no immediately. Continue immediately. God, watch a movie, Josh. Anyway, So the scene in Armageddon where Bruce Willis, yeah, by the way, spoilers, Josh, where he stays behind to detonate the bomb and save the planet, and he, you know, he has this incredibly emotional, gut-wrenching scene with first Ben Affleck's character, and then Liv Tyler's character. It's very, very sad. Everyone cries. Literally everyone who watches that movie cries. I've never met anyone who didn't. Um, That, with Mahomes, that was harder to watch than that scene. Because I was like, I mean, that happened, and I was like... No, <laughs> I've dreamed about this moment. It's just like, oh, it's just, it was awful. Anyway.
2: Yeah. And, he, the, and, the, and, by, home- and by the way, there's there's nothing to prepare you for that moment too, right, Seth? Even uh, as much as you can think no. of it, you're just not ready for that.
1: Oh, absolutely. You Nate's think, talking about the scene it. in Armageddon, by the way, not the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, it, it really, no, hey, nothing does prepare you for that, Josh. I'm telling you, you'll still cry when you watch it. I'm telling you,
1: man. I mean, anyway, I'll watch it, but I was three and a half when it came out.
0: Yes, we get it. You're very young and will live longer than all of us. <laughs> so, but I mean, because it changes the entire season. It changes. I mean, this oh, yeah. is our job. Our job is to cover the Chiefs. It changes. We can't just like tune out during a bad season. Yes. We can't just whatever. And all I could think about, and this is, you know, because I'm a narcissist, apparently, is just mm-hmm. like, oh, this is going to ruin my year like, <laughs> and it, then, it, then it starts making you think like, man, how sad is it that something related to football would ruin my year? So then you start introspection. It's really a weird time. But anyway, they, they would have I canceled Mahomes, this podcast. Time's they, ours doesn't they, exist they, with yeah, Matt they would, Moore, have, they would have said, they, they would have just said, nope, you're done. You are now, yeah. you know, yeah, you are now a Patriots podcast and you'll talk about Tom Brady all the time. Oh, God, a fate worse than death. So... <laughs> I think Mahomes knew all this, though, in terms of like the effect on the team, in terms of the effect on the fans, and it seemed really important to him. I mean, he was the one, from what he said later, he was like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, Take me up, come on, come on, come on. And you saw him very deliberately smiling, very deliberately like kind of bouncing around, even though he was a little gimpy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they knew that, and they obviously did have to change their plan. And here's the thing, they also were without Tyreek Hill, who yep. is arguably their best receiver at creating quick separation, and so they had to change all sorts of things. They were doing a lot of kind of longer developing routes early on, which, oh my gosh, any defense that does not have a tremendous pass rush is in so much trouble this year. Because yeah. if, if Mahomes has a pocket for three seconds or longer, I mean, they were just – it was just bombs away out there. Like, had had that series of events not transpired, the Chiefs could have put up like 1,000 yards. And so yeah. they, they changed the game plan. They changed the way that he played. And he was still just able to absolutely shred one of the most talented defenses in the league. The whole NFL should be afraid,
1: because it really was. I mean, we saw Tom Brady last night, and I don't want to talk about him. I don't want to say his name anymore. I don't want to talk about that team anymore. We'll talk about Antonio Brown later because we are legally, uh, legally, we have to. But like the 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 post injury section for Mahomes. You said surgical, like that's that's what Tom Brady does. He sits in the pocket, everything happens like this, it's just constant shot after shot after shot, and the pass rush doesn't even have time to get home, even though he's not moving. Mahomes was forced to play like that, and he did it exceptionally, and if you're not excited about that, I literally can't help you. Um, So let's go, uh, Nate, uh, non-Patrick Mahomes division storyline from the offense. You can talk about Tyree Kill's injury, Sammy Watkins' resurgence. Actually, you know what? No. You know what? I'm going to make a call. I'm going to play quarterback. Nate, you're going to talk about Tyree Kill. Seth, you're going to talk about Sammy Watkins because you did the film review. Ready? Break. Uh,
2: Man, he, with, he it's it's really gone to his head, hasn't it, Nate? <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Look, he, he, you know, he's our young quarterback, and we, as savvy veterans, got to rein him in. You know, hey, young true. fella, it's a long season, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to walk before you got to walk before you can crawl,
1: or something. I'm right. out of here. With, I'm doing the. I just did the behind the back pass that Mahomes is too chicken to do in a game. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, give me give me uh, the 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 consensus here, Nate. Give me the inside scoop on uh, on Tyree Kill.
2: Yeah, the you know. Yesterday it was pretty clear that um, he wasn't going to come back. Like within you know, once they showed him on CBS in that cart, um, you know, sort of wheeling him back to the to the locker room and and then eventually the X ray room. Like it was pretty clear that he wasn't going to come back in the second half. So um, that's where you say like, okay, that's the first significant injury of the season, and you know we'll see where this goes. It appears that he won't play in October. Uh, I need to pull up the schedule as we speak, but I'm thinking you know in September, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking the team. The team hopes in like that he'll only miss like two games, right? I think it's right. probably more realistic oh, sure. that it's somewhere between three to four. Uh, mm-hmm. So now you're looking at, you know, obviously the home opener is in two weeks against the Ravens. They have Detroit uh, shortly thereafter on September 29th. I think it's possible you could get him back maybe for the October 6th game against Indianapolis. So mm-hmm. um, they're gonna have to change their offense, obviously. This is sort of the thrust of McCole Hartman uh, into the situation mm-hmm. now, but the good thing is, is that you know with his collarbone, it's not comp- it's not severely broken enough that it, in- it impacted his clavicle, which of course was the case mm-hmm. with Nick Foles, who's essentially done for the year. Um, they're gonna have to see how his rehab is after like a couple months, but it should heal naturally. He doesn't need surgery. He's just gonna have to be. He won't go to the IR because they don't they don't see him missing more than six weeks. But he is right. going to be done, I think, for probably the rest of the month. So that would I would say you're optimistic about maybe three weeks out in Detroit on the September 29th. But I think it's more re- realistic that you'll see him probably back either against the Colts or the Houston Texans, barring not having a setback. But with that in mind, and as I wrote in my story, and this is you know sort of teeing up Seth. Um, you know, Jalen Ramsey throws his entire body onto uh, onto Tyreek Hill, and even Andy mm-hmm. Reid after the game yesterday said, you know, that's not the cleanest of plays, um, and said it in a manner that's like, I'm going to address that with the league. Like, mm-hmm. don't don't think I'm not going to call the league on Tuesday and say, hey, if right. you review the film, he, you know, obviously Tyreek has given himself up. He's clearly out of bounds. Why is the defender allowed to basically put all of his body weight on my right. offensive player when the play is essentially dead? Um, right. That being said, for Seth and for the rest of Chiefs fans, um on the very next play, uh Sammy Watkins scored a <laughs> touchdown and continued yep. to to just unleash himself in a way that we've never seen. And I was texting Seth during the game and you know, we we're, we're always in constant discussion about like, hey, what's the biggest storyline? You know, what do you want to write? What do I want to write? And it became very evident like okay, Sammy's just having a, a day that that he'll always remember for the rest of his life. Because I don't think he made any mistakes yesterday. And that's saying a lot for a guy who's been oft injured and has not sort of lived up to the expectations that a lot of people have placed on him once he was drafted so high uh, a couple years ago. All right, Seth, let's do it. So you did the film review. I just
1: wanted to let people know, again, up on The Athletic, it's there right now. There's a film review uh, of Sammy Watkins by Seth. What did you
2: find?
0: I, I texted Nate during the game. So, dot, 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 Watkins.
1: <laughs>
2: and I read that we, text and said, "Yes."
0: Hit my head on Yes is yeah. mm-hmm. yes. yes. like, "Yep, yep." Um, you know, Nate makes such a such a great point in in the timing of everything. Hill goes down. That's an opportunity because every every Chiefs player knows how important he is to the offense. He mm-hmm. he is second importance only to to Pat Mahomes. Although maybe you'd say Kelsey. I mean, there's you know it might vary by day, but. It could have been a moment for a letdown, but instead the very next play, huge touchdown to Watkins. Watkins, I've been looking for the right word. He eviscerated the, the Jags defense. Yeah. It was an absolute total destruction. Um, now, Reed did a great job scheming him open, but what we saw out of Watkins is, I mean, he's got that incredible combination of of size, speed, agility and strength to where I mean he really is pretty close to if you if you built a guy in a factory to play the position it would look a lot like Sammy Watkins um and so we've always we've been waiting for him to kind of realize his potential all that fun stuff and then it just all happened at once it was fantastic um Really, the biggest thing, though, that I would say, because there's a lot of things you could say about the game he played, but the biggest thing that I would say was his ability after the catch just added such another dimension to the entire offense. Um, I, I didn't even count how many of his 198 yards were were yak yards, mm-hmm. but it was, it was absurd. I mean, that first touchdown, it, it, it's such an interesting play because he really shakes – two defenders there he, he catches the ball with his hands and he's in the middle of the defense and he immediately ducks like he catches and ducks immediately to yeah. avoid an incoming safety which i mean you can focus on how fast he was afterwards and all that but that was a killer move mm-hmm. I, I most guys get tackled right there and it's a nice play you know a 10 yard gain or whatever and then uh demarcus robinson who deserves a lot of love for this because he does it all the time makes a great downfield block And so then it's Watkins one-on-one with Jalen Ramsey and he just snatched his ankles out from underneath him and sent him stumbling. I mean, Watkins really, and I think Ramsey's a great player. You know, I had so many people using video clips I was doing to, you know, at Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey's a really great player, but he, he had a lot to say early on in that game and Watkins destroyed him multiple times. I mean, it was bad. It was bad, and this was one of them where he just he just jukes him out of his shorts and sprints downfield and six, and he was doing it multiple times. He had a play, you know, where he carried, uh, a, he carried a defender like six extra yards. Yes,
2: yes this um, is this is my favorite play of the game from him. Yes, the the idea that he literally carried a guy <laughs> almost towards the stick, so he catches the ball on a five yard out. And carries number 21, A.J. Boyer for eight yards! Yeah, that was <laughs> awesome. That was so, like...
0: It was just such a moment, like, as a corner, as a safety, you cannot do the do the Marcus Peters. You can't just try to grab the ball out from his hands. And that's mm-hmm. what a lot of secondary players do, uh, mostly corners, because, you know, they don't really like tackling. But So they'll try to yank the ball, and that's enough to tackle most receivers. Had, had Boye not shifted his tactics, Watkins was going to shake him and run for a touchdown. Like, that was about to happen. And then he manages to spin him out of bounds. And then after the play is over, throws him to the ground. Because, you know, he's he's tough, apparently. You know, once Watkins (laughs) stopped trying. That, I got to tell you, that frustrated me watching that. Because there were tons of after the whistle moments like that Mm -hmm. by the Jags. And Watkins, after the game, he's like, I didn't even notice. I mean, he was just locked in. He looked tremendous. And the problem that he presents for teams now is the exact problem we were hoping he would present. Because this isn't some, like, with Hill out, it's not like there was some bum secondary. These are stars he's playing right. against. Yep. And now it's one of those, okay, well, you know, we can take away Hill. But even now with Hill out for a few weeks, defenses, they can still try to key on Kelsey if they want. Yep. But they're still in trouble if Watkins gets any room because it takes multiple defenders to bring him down. And if he gets even a tiny bit of daylight, he's gone. And so it just it changes the entire dynamic of approaching the Chiefs, which I think even Chiefs fans have been like, oh, yeah, man, you know, they've obviously got Mahomes and they've got Tyreek Hill and they've got Travis Kelsey. And, you know, Sammy Watkins can probably step up a little bit. You know, now it's like, holy crap, what do you do about this? And I mean, it was so funny to watch by the end of the game. And I I wrote about this, too, that, that Watkins effectively silenced. The 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 Jags group by the end of the game by that final touchdown by Watkins where he just I mean he just took Jalen Ramsey and he just shoved him to the side like it's such a good play it is I mean just Ramsey's gonna play him physical and Watson's like you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna throw you five feet that way yeah. and, and and then he catches a touchdown from a Holmes Ramsey didn't have jack to say except complaining to the referee and that's how you know you now have. You haven't just rented space in Ramsey's head. You have bought beachfront property, <laughs> and he no longer has anything left but to look at the road and say, "But, but he pushed me." I mean, good God! And Jalen Ramsey's not. I mean, he's a physical player. He's fine with contact, and that's all he had left by the end of the game was, "But, but teacher, he pushed me," and it was glorious.
1: I have to admit my like unbelievable surprise with the game we saw from Sammy Watkins because you even you know, you're saying, "Well, you." You know, they got Mahomes and they throwing it to Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. My thought was always, well, if Sammy Watkins is your third weapon and he's healthy, that's an exceptional group you have there. Um The, the game that Sammy Watkins played yesterday was genuinely one of, the, I think, one of the best games I've seen from a single wide receiver. Uh, maybe ever in a Chiefs uniform and maybe in the league in recent memory. Like, it was... A dominant performance, and again, this is happening in a, in an offense that's moving relatively quickly. Like I I, tw- I started tweeting this out as a, as a joke from training camp, that like no matter every time every time Patrick Mahomes threw the ball four yards downfield to Sammy Watkins and then he ran it for fifteen more, I would just tweet mm-hmm. Sammy Watkins, Patrick Mahomes, four yards downfield, open whenever they want it, and then you see it right out of the gate here because and i I'm, I'm glad you broke it down the way you did, Seth. And again, if anyone's not looking at the article on the Athletic. This is like one of those, like, uh, listen while you read books. You know, we've really got a, a good uh, companion program going on here. If you if you watch the the clip of the, the touchdown with the duck and the juke and then the turn up field, you don't see that kind of stuff live very often. It, it, seeing that again, I think even going, I just went through all the videos again before the show today, and I have an even greater appreciation for the game that he had because he wasn't even just doing the same stuff over and over. Like, he was winning these matchups in different, unique ways and doing different things to guys like Jalen Ramsey. Uh, is it is it overstating any of that, Nate, to say this is one of the best games I've seen from a
2: receiver in recent memory? No, uh, I, don't, I don't think it is at all just because I can't think of a play where he was not either in sync with Patrick or he wasn't, Doing everything you ask a receiver to do, which is like be on time, catch the ball with your hands, try to make something once you have the ball. I mean, he he did all those things, and you know, in terms of last year, everyone sort of glosses over the fact that because the Chiefs lost in the AFC Championship game, and because uh, the way they lost with with D Ford off and the defense not getting off mm-hmm. the field, that they just forget that Sammy Watkins had an amazing playoff game when the Chiefs didn't even score a point in the you know in the first half. So this is. This is a case of where, and, and even Sammy mentioned it, where he's in the best situation of his career, honestly, because yeah. you know he has obviously a, a, a MVP quarterback in Patrick Mahomes who is extremely accurate and is always going to give you a chance to make a play. You have Andy Reid who's going to scheme up plays where you – Essentially, are running a simple drag route, and the Jaguars are like, "Cool, don't have to worry about Sammy. He's only running five yards until it's a drag and up." And you're like, yep. who, cre- who, and up. "Who created this? Who created this play on Madden?" No, 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 no. Right, no, right. this is not. not capable. Uh, so, so, awesome. so you have the quarterback and the, and the and the coach to to really fit your scheme, and now he knows the complete offense. And so we're yes. seeing a trend where. You know he's had three sh- really good games in a row. He was he came back from the injury against Indianapolis in the divisional game. He didn't score a touchdown, but he was massively important on third down. He comes back against New England and racks up 114 uh receiving yards when it was clear that the New England Patriots were like, it's Tyreek or bust. Like we have to double, mm-hmm. hell, triple team him if necessary. And both Patrick Mahomes and 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 uh, Sammy Watkins recognized that, so that Watkins could have a good game to keep them in a competitive uh, competitive game uh, going into overtime. And then we see now that you have a full off season of understanding the playbook, of understanding what you like, what Patrick likes, what Andy Reid uh, wants to do moving forward, that you can have this game like this. And so um, people, you know, people, you know, this is why we're here is to remind you all that Sammy Watkins was great in the playoffs and he was even better yesterday. So that could easily spell trouble for the Oakland Raiders uh, next Sunday and moving on uh, forward just because he's in the position now to have a career year to have a year where yeah. you were, you're valuing and you're sort of validating the, the number four pick in in the draft. How real is this then Seth? If, I, if I'm going to
1: say, Hey, make sure you're, you're predicting the future here. Now you we've just recap what happened yesterday. And also I, to, to, clarify something that Nate was touching on there Sammy Watkins was really clear in the post game that that he never felt comfortable in the offense last year he said he couldn't play fast because he didn't understand everything that was going on we talk about Andy Reid offenses taking time to learn all the time but to hear it kind of that bluntly was sort of surprising because you didn't hear that from you know during the problem last year but now it appears he's transcended it so what's your expectation going forward? I think
0: Watkins is going to have a career year. You know, health has always been the thing for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to have to keep our eye on that. But I, I expect big things from him. Uh, with Tyreek, without Tyreek, he, he's, a, he's a great, great, great fit for an Andy Reid offense. Because Andy will scheme you open. That will happen. It doesn't yeah. really matter who you are. Provided you've got any sort of burst, Andy Reid will scheme you open. Um, now he can get himself open too, which is an added bonus. but what he can do after the catch it, it, he is he is probably the best yards after catch player on the team. Um, you know maybe maybe Travis Kelsey has something to say about that, but it, it's it's exceptional what he can do. I expect a really big year from him.
1: Uh, let me give you the uh, specifics on Tyreek Hill here. There are some very big words that I've practiced saying now. Uh, some stuff that Rick Burkholder said about Tyreek Hill after the game. So he had an injury in the game. This is, I'm going to read you the quote. Tyreek Hill had an injury in the game where he landed on his shoulder. He had a sternal clavicular joint injury, which is where your clavicle comes into your sternum. Those can be injured coming out the front, up top, or in the back if it goes posteriorly or back. It becomes a medical issue for us, so we worry that there's more problems. I, I said this on the uh, on the Sports Radio at Ten post postgame show that I host yesterday uh that means it's going if, if it goes posteriorly it means that that's going towards the squishy bits and whenever you start getting bones pointing towards the squishy bits doctors get nervous which makes a lot of sense so that's that's sort of the 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 best that i can explain it to make sure everyone knows what's happening with tyreek hill they, they were getting worried about stuff going backwards but as nate mentioned earlier no surgery for tyreek hill um i god only knows how and it sounded like it could have been much worse given the way that that did kind of bend in but no surgery they're expecting a few weeks from now. Um, last thing on this front, Nate, I'll give you the last word on it. What is what is the challenge now for the Chiefs without Tyreek Hill? If you are looking at him for the, without without this team uh, or with the team without him for the next few weeks, what is the evolved status of the offense?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is for for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes is finding out finding a matchup that allows you to throw the ball downfield deep because mm. clearly you could just line up Tyree kill anywhere and say okay go deep or like you know run yeah. a deeper route and we'll as long as we have enough time like like Seth said we'll get you the ball. Now it's up to Andy Reid to to get McCole uh, Hartman a little more comfortable. Now it was his first game as a, as an NFL rookie. Uh The speed of the game, hey kid, much faster than preseason. So yeah, can you get him some positions where he's in the slot in one on one situations where his speed can come through and you can sort of find him in the intermediate to deep. Uh, portions of the field and then also too like this gives Demarcus Robinson a bigger chance to to get some touches next week against the Oakland Raiders I know he didn't I think he was only targeted once and he didn't have a catch but obviously he had you know the important block that got the team the lead um on Sammy Watkins first touchdown so I think those are the two guys that you really look for against the Oakland Raiders I know we're kind of jumping ahead but I just think McCole Hardman will have maybe a better role. Maybe we'll see a couple jet sweeps just to get him more involved. Yeah. But it allows Andy Reid to get slightly more creative while also asking two, you know, two guys on the receiving core and McCole Hardman and, and DeMarcus Robinson to sort of find find some plays for them that is going to give them some freedom. That way you can keep uh Travis Kelsey running through the middle open. Uh Seth, the running
1: back group here was really interesting yesterday. Damien Williams led the team in carries. Uh, but LaShawn McCoy was the guy who who showed out a little bit. Damian Williams also caught six passes along with with his 13 carries. McCoy had 10 carries and then that one 12 yard reception. Uh, we, we talked about LaShawn McCoy a lot last week. Your film review obviously is still up on The Athletic. We don't take him down or anything. Uh, so if, if people want to see what you were looking at with his experience in Buffalo, um, I, I don't believe he had a single rush for a loss in this game. He had a couple that weren't incredible, uh, but he had the 31 yard uh one and, and then just a lot of successful carries outside of that. Do you feel uh validated in your expectations for LaShawn McCoy? Wait, wait. Lashawn McCoy played well. Yeah Don't stunning, say. isn't it? yeah yeah
0: you know that who could have possibly foreseen that and also damian williams showed to be a perfect fit as a receiver in this offense
1: stunning man! I know what podcast would have had are, that a few weeks these
0: ago? these are all things that i'm just finding so surprising i'm having a hard time <laughs> taking my I, I wish i could do a a voice version of the the kermit the frog
1: that's none of my business Little sipping yeah sip tea yeah Yeah, that would be great. Uh, You you remember when you said the power was going to my head earlier? This is absurd.
0: Oh right. My my bad, my bad. Well, I I missed one show, so I gotta like make up for it in other ways. (laughs) That's being twice as obnoxious today. Exactly. I personally I mean, I think what you see, McCoy is he's got better vision than Williams. Uh, I think he's better able to make something out of nothing. I think he finds the hole a little bit quicker in terms of, of of getting up the field. Um, I don't think he's got quite as good a top-end speed, but he looked plenty fast to me. Um, he looks fine. I think Williams is the better receiver of the two. I think he runs crisper routes, uh, and so really they do have a situation where they've got a couple guys that are really great fits for this offense. I think probably the worst news that, that McCoy has a lot left, clearly, is for Darwin Thompson, who I think is going to have a hard time getting on the field barring an injury because Williams can play. And McCoy can play. Now, McCoy, I think, is clearly the superior runner, so I, I think he's going to probably keep getting more run. But what I want to see, and we talked about this last week, I want to see more two running back sets, um, especially with Hill out for a little while. That mm-hmm. gives them an opportunity to to use Williams and McCoy at the same time, have a bunch of playmakers on the field. But McCoy, it's just, it, it really does add a sense of this isn't fair to the offense. Yeah. It really is like, you know they're they're just throwing the ball all over the yard and it's just absurd and then they hand it off to McCoy you know and he gains 12, 13 yards and you're just like holy smokes like what do you do and I think and this is again against the Jags they're supposed to have a great defense this year yeah and so I think it adds another element of this isn't even fair to the offense in terms of explosion and depth so I, I'm just I could not be more excited. Plus, I was right. May anything,
1: so. anything that uh, either you agree with, or you just want to, or disagree with, or just want to tell Seth how great he is. No, 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 no. <laughs> he, he, Seth.
2: Seth's amazing, and that's why he's on our podcast. I, the, the, <laughs> only, the only thing I'll add to it is that um, it was clear that Andy used both backs in short yardage situations, and both backs converted. And I think that's a very important, yeah. m- important point yeah. because as you get closer to like, you know, not dying outside in, in exhaustive heat. As, as we get colder, as we get to colder games, you're going to have guys when you need to move, you need to move bodies for one or two yards on third or fourth down. Um, both right. running backs did really well with that. And so you may look at yards per carry, and obviously McCoy was better at that because of the vision, like Seth mentioned. But both running mm-hmm. backs know what to do when you got to get a yard. And I think that's really yeah. important in this offense so that you can give Patrick Mahomes more chances to, you know, torch uh, secondaries.
1: I appreciate that because for as much as we've talked about, like, this team should just never run the ball. I think that's what Seth has written. He said the Chiefs should literally never even consider running the football <laughs> uh, is what Seth has written verbatim in The Athletic. But, no, but, like, the the ability to get a yard when you need a yard, I'm thinking back to, to Chiefs teams of, of years past when that was the frustration. Like, all right, it's third and one. What are we doing here? Like, why can't this dude find us a yard why Thomas Jones is here to get this one yard what the hell is happening um if LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams can pull that off I imagine Andy Reid can figure it out around them and then keep throwing the ball so I think that's a great point um also I think the running game is a pretty good reflection on the offensive line but Patrick Mahomes did have an injury scare as the pocket collapsed and it didn't seem like when the pocket collapsed the whole pocket went down it there wasn't a whole lot of, like, one free rusher stuff, so I don't know if you can can use that to say that the offensive line wasn't really having communication problems, perhaps, just playing against really good pass rushers. Uh, but the, the offensive line was certainly a topic on Twitter and throughout the broadcast even as Mahomes was never fully sacked. Again, a couple of hits, and then he had the fumble that was almost a pass. Um, Whenever you look at that whole story, though, Nate, uh, do you think there's an overreaction, underreaction, proper reaction to the
2: the state of the Chiefs' offensive line right now? It it may be slight overreaction just because, well, one, Patrick is still upright and healthy, and and two, like— I mean, no, I don't think any other team has Calais Campbell. And that Josh Allen right. guy looks pretty good and Ngakwe mm-hmm. is is Ngakwe is probably just as good as like Alex Okafor. Um mm-hmm. so let's see how they handle Oakland. Uh who was a younger defense who's got a bunch of rookies on their defensive line. No no real um standouts. Um yeah, they they traded a guy last year who was pretty good at rushing the passer. So <laughs> l- let's see how the Chiefs do against the Raiders. Um I always like to tell fans like because it's the first game, you see so much and so much information is thrown at you. And, then you know, you hope much is good versus a little bit bad. So you mm. need to see whatever the course is over the first four to five games. And everybody remembers last year that, you know, Patrick Mahomes was scrambling for his life a little bit against Pittsburgh in week two last year, and they still won. So uh, let's see what they do against Oakland. But there is some concern, given the fact that, like, you know, Ngakwe, Campbell, and Allen are very are very reminiscent of what you're probably going to see in January. Even if the Jaguars don't make the playoffs, that's a kind of that's a type of defensive line that can be formidable to you in January. So you just want to see the the offensive line improve. And as I wrote a couple days ago, like we really didn't know who was the starting left guard, which was like also a concern. Yeah. It's like how do you not yeah. know who your starter is? Any read he went with Andrew mm-hmm. Wiley, a, a younger guy over Cam Irving, a more of a veteran who's played multiple positions in his career. So is Andrew Wiley going to be um, – is he going to improve as the season goes along? And then on the other guard position, you have Laurent DuVernay-Tardif, who hadn't played in like 10 months, honestly, uh, yeah. because he had a season of the knee injury last year against Jacksonville. So those two guys need to improve the most. Austin Ryder hopefully will get better at protections or sort of seeing where the blitzes are coming from as you get more film of teams as the year goes along. But the two guys I have confidence in is Eric Fisher and and Mitchell Schwartz. It's those three guys in the middle who have to improve as the season goes along.
1: Seth, I got a lot that we still need to get to. So give me your offensive line takes uh, as if you were being chased around by Calais Campbell.
0: Uh, I, th- I think that people can relax a little bit. The protection did get noticeably better despite Mahomes barely being able to move because mm-hmm. they changed the game plan. Long developing routes will get your quarterback hit more, especially out of empty sets, especially against a really great pass rushing team. Remember what the Jags did in the preseason, their starting group at least? They looked like an unstoppable pass rushing group,
1: arguably yep. one of the best two or three in the league. So we'll, yep. let, let's give it a few weeks, see what happens. I'm good with that. Uh, well said. Well said. Tight, concise, accurate. Welcome to Time's Art, everybody. Uh, Let's go to the defensive side of the ball because there's a lot over there. Uh, Uncle Rico came in and looked pretty good against this Chiefs defense, and that's a little (laughs) bit concerning. Uh, Nate, if I give you the first
2: crack at it, what were you most worried about? Or most Uh, most concerned by? It's the fact that like we we don't really know who's good at cornerback. I mean, that, that, you know, <laughs> Kendall Fuller's fine. Um Brashad Breeland played well in the first quarter, and then he mm-hmm. sort of went into like veteran mode, where he's like, "Hey, we're up yeah. twenty. Like, I'm not, I'm not going crazy." <laughs> I'm um, good, and, even, yeah. and even like even if I asked Brashad in the locker room yesterday, I'd be like, "I mean, no one saw the touchdown, so like it really doesn't matter." But like you know, it was garbage time, right? It was. He would have been like, "Yeah, of course. Like I don't care. Like we're up 20. Um Charverius Ward seems to be um, a guy who can play man and doesn't look like a guy who can play zone, or at least hasn't Steve got Steve a... basically said that during training camp. <clears game, throat> right. Hasn't, he, he hasn't got enough reps to, like, be consistent in zone. And honestly, like, you know, uh, this was sort of discussed uh, during the game too, but it's just like, you know, it wasn't like Jacksonville really went at Tyron Matthew, but it really wasn't like Tyron Matthew did anything. So, I mean, there's... They, yeah. they did it. They did it. The defense as a whole did enough, but the secondary is still sort of this murky. Like, don't know what we're gonna get from a week to week, just because um, the cornerback situation is 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 shaky at best. Uh, Tyron Matthew was kind of playing all over the field, but he never made like a, a a great play, which is you know, which is understandable. It's the first game of the year, and uh, at least they started Juan Thornhill. Because if they hadn't started him, I would have had serious concerns about like are you watching the same training camp preseason games that I yes. am? So at least Steve yes. Spagnuolo and Andy Reid gave up on that whole notion of like, oh, well, you know, we, we really value the veteran. It's like, no, the, yeah. the, the 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 better, younger player needs to get the reps for January. So thankfully, Juan Thornhill started. But, it, but right now it's just like, I don't mind the pass rush, you know, having an okay day, but it's also like the secondary is going to have to, they're going to have to find some answers there.
1: I'll I'll save the pass rush take for a second. Uh, Seth, are you on board that it's also the the defensive back that's that your biggest concern? Or do you have something else in mind.
0: I'm not concerned about the safeties. I thought Thornhill did a good job. I think, frankly, I think Thornhill saved a touchdown on a on a on a four net sweep to the left side there. Mm-hmm. If Thornhill doesn't have the speed he has sideline to sideline, I think that's six. And so that's something you know. There's a reason it's called safety. You know, I mean, last line of defense, all that people talk about, you know, those plays, you know, well, but it was a 12 yard gain. Yeah, but it could have been like a 50 yard gain. and saved touchdowns are a huge deal for a deep safety. And Thornhill, he, he looks comfortable out there doing it. Now, he had a few plays like that. The corners really do concern me. Ward is still losing himself in zone coverage. Um, and you know Breland he got lost in zone coverage once that was one of the big touchdowns for Jacksonville Ward got lost in zone coverage a couple of times and those were a couple of big plays but you know honestly aside there were like three or four third down conversions where Minshew just made really nice plays so that happens even against you know everyone's like well it's a no name quarterback it's like no the question I'm asking is did he play well I'm not Mm -hmm. asking what his name is I'm asking if he played well and overall he really did and so I I'm back and forth, but I, I do think as far as back and forth as I am, I'm very, very worried about Charvarius Ward. I understand Claiborne's gonna come back, but I really, really, really would like to see the Chiefs do something aggressive with the cornerback position. I mean, just something, anything, but I'm not sure they're gonna. So that's not not frustrating.
1: Uh, Nate, what are the odds that the Chiefs do make a move like that? If, of the three of us, you're gonna have the best chance of having the best educated guess. I've right. given mine already. I think I think Seth is showing his hand a little bit. What not should they, but what are the chances that they will make a move for someone who w- would be at least on Kendall Fuller's level? Because I think that's that's clear. The conversation we're having here. We don't they don't, they don't need to bring in a, a fifth Mo Claiborne.
2: Yeah, and and so I think the odds are pretty low, just because they're gonna push this all the way through to the trade deadline. And so for fans who want them to make a move now, or if you're reading uh, the idea that like everybody wants out of Miami, including like, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, they just gave up a thousand points, but Hey, maybe they have like a cornerback. I mean, if they want to get out, they, if they want to, if they want to take more draft picks, be our guests. But like, I I still think the odds are pretty low just because they want to see for the first four to five weeks. Can Traverius Ward improve? Will Maurice? Must Morris? Well, Mo, Morris. Excuse me. Will Morris Claiborne be as good as we think he is uh, in Steve Spagnuolo's system? Uh, you know, an injury or two could happen before you get to the trade deadline. So they're they're going to push mm. this, I think, as tight as they can before you actually get to the trade deadline. With the understanding that, okay, um, if no one if no one's willing to trade, you just got to roll with the guys. You got to roll with. And I know that probably won't excite fans a ton, but like. This is mm-hmm. sort of the, the, the position they're in. They have a great roster with an understanding, too, that, like, it could be better. But, like, that's every team in the NFL. And just your weakness right now is at cornerback versus other teams' weaknesses at various positions. So, I I think they will push it all the way till October 29th. That's the day for fans to really mark down on their calendars. October 29th is the trade deadline. You have to have a, a trade uh, sent to the league by 3 p.m. Central time in, in – uh, on that day so if we look at the calendar as I'm doing right now in real time I think the Chiefs will have played what is it seven games seven eight games by by October 28th and so that's a big enough sample size for at least Brett Veach to see what's out there in the market and also what does he have on his roster that he can sort of give up in exchange to get one of the better cornerbacks on the market back so I think that's great I think that I'm I'm
1: co-signing not that anyone needs me to Here's, what I, here's where I think the pass rush it needs to be discussed, because it's very, very near that conversation to me. Brad Veach cannot possibly be surprised by the performance of any of those three guys. We all knew what those three dudes were going to be for the most part. If anybody's been disappointing throughout the training camp and the preseason in, in a game, it's probably Fuller. But it hasn't like he hasn't been an apocalypse. He just hasn't been great. Um, the, the, the thing the Chiefs did at this offseason was totally overhaul their pass rush and really invest in it. They move Justin Houston. They move D Ford. They bring in Frank Clark. They bring in Alex Okafor. They bring in Emmanuel Agba. They they spend this time developing Tano Passanio. They would have had Breeland Speaks here. Um, all of that investment in this pass rush, I think, was very much uh, they're, they're Brett Veach's choice here to say, listen, we're going to either invest in this cornerback spot or we're going to invest in this pass rush. They had to fix the safety position. They did that twice over but the pass rush yesterday at least as much of it as i could see carried on our local cbs affiliate up up through that point and also honestly like while the game was legitimately competitive i didn't i didn't recognize that pass rush very often there were a couple of times where you saw where frank clark was doing some good things alex okafor uh nearly had a pick six but, you know but he didn't bring it down it so ended up just being a batted pass it wasn't a horrible unit but it wasn't the unit they paid for this offseason and so I am I am so far away from saying like and this is why I think that uh, Brett Veach should be fired because Frank Clark is terrible and so is Alex Okafor I'm not there at all but with what I saw yesterday I was aware of that in real time I was I was going oh man I haven't seen a lot from this pass rush and I think Brett Veach was kind of expecting a lot from this pass rush as he constructed the roster Seth am I off base I don't think you're off base at all. Um, like you Woo-hoo. said, they didn't play terribly. Yeah,
0: they didn't play terribly. They obviously were. They got some pressure on Foles early, and obviously, and although I'm sure, like Foles said, I'm sure Chris Jones didn't mean for this to happen, knock sure. him out of the game. You sure. don't knock a quarterback out of the game without getting some pressure on him. Thank some you, some Seth. Serious Good point. Pressure. Sure, um, fair enough. And and so they did get some pressure, but I, there were there were snaps where I I just watched and it looked like Spagnola was 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 mostly happy to stick with rushing three or four he mm-hmm. did a few blitzes but even those blitzes for the most part didn't do a lot it looked fairly vanilla to me they but you know i haven't really looked at the film you know the madden cam view isn't available yet so i mean like you said clark did a few good things jones did a few good things okafor did a couple good things but you expected more
1: for sure and I'm if i could add on that see... real quick oh, go ahead we're, we have just the slightest delay. For some reason, the internet to Minnesota just gives us half a second, <laughs> and sometimes I just step on your toes. Well, it's well, it's dial up, so um, <laughs> you know, it's definitely
0: slower up here in the Great White North. Um, so I I'm still in wait and see mode there. Um, not quite like with the offensive line, which was more concerning and played worse. But mm-hmm. it's definitely something you you're going to want to see more dominant performances because they're not. They didn't pay this line and assemble this line to be
1: decent. It's supposed to be the core of the defense. And that that was the thing for me. Is it, it It needed to be able to show you that it was changing the game as opposed to, to just merely not changing the game. They were going up against backup tackles. Like, I mean, Frank Clark, I if you would have said over-under, a sack and a half for Frank Clark in this game, I would have felt like taking the over was stealing just because the matchup there, and as as good as we've seen him be uh, in, in the past, like, I just, I had higher expectations than that. Uh, Seth, or not Seth, you just talked. Nate, like, 30 seconds on the pass rush, and we got to get to the next thing because eventually I'm going to get in trouble for being a bad clock manager.
2: Yeah, will they will they blitz more in, in week yeah. two? Uh, they didn't really blitz a ton, yeah. and I think Steve Spagnuolo packed it in, uh, to use an expression, once... Musgrave was on the field cuz uh as I'm going to write today and, and hopefully people read it on the athletic uh I got Damian <laughs> Wilson who who had probably the biggest play on the defense the the strip the strip fumble of Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. uh I yep. asked him hey uh did you guys watch any any tape of, of uh of uh, Gardner Musgrave and he was like uh no you <laughs> idiot <laughs> <And> so <laughs> and so clearly they had prepared for Nick Foles and he's like, look, we don't want, you know, he, he, he alluded to Seth's points too, like, hey, we don't want Nick to get hurt, um, but we had clearly game plan for him. So when they bring in Musgrave at halftime, we're basically like, anybody know anything? Anybody know anything? Like, I mean, I, I. – And so Steve Spagnuolo was like, I'm going to rush four, maybe five, play a lot of zone, see what the kid does, see if we can con- – not really confuse him, but, like, it was clear once they got the strip fumble and the Chiefs scored a touchdown to go up uh, by a, a pretty wide margin – that Spagnola was just like, let's just play zone, keep everything in front of us, and rally to the ball. They really didn't change much of that. And so, even for a guy like Musgrave, who is a rookie, you can you can get yards down the field just because the defense is not really attacking you. I wonder if they will be in, in more of an attack mode against the Raiders uh, coming on Sunday.
1: Just to save us all the tweets, yes, dear listener, I also heard Nate call Gardner Minshew Gardner Musgrave four times. Yes. We're still Man, reeling. Not, I, from, I, I, this is why I'm right. We're still reeling from the Jody Foster thing, and yep. I just this be gentle with Nate, okay?
0: the best gimmick of the show. It is. It's Just Who's, be gentle. Whose name will Nate get wrong? To be fair, I called Miles Jack Delvin Smith,
1: so what do I know? I don't you know what i picked a different it. football player on that defense though. Like, he's gotten Jody Foster and maybe Casey Musgraves? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, it's That's true nate picks some weird ones is what happens yeah you know
0: next week he's gonna call someone albert
1: schweitzer it's gonna be weird but <laughs> uh we've got very little time left which is perfect because i could only stomach talking about the Patriots signing antonio brown for a couple of minutes here i will say just to keep cross promoting the athletic you're missing stuff if you're not subscribed uh mike Sando had a column uh, with with this paragraph in it um, quoting a, an executive saying, in my opinion, it's a classic case of a team with one guy in charge, the head coach, an exec said. Gruden was so committed to making it work there that when he realized it wasn't going to work, he just said, ah, screw it, get him out of here. And there's nobody there to say, hey, John, wait a second. That is not the way to do it. Let's be calm. Let's make sure we know what we're doing. Let's talk through all the implications. Uh, Seth, I'm going to let you talk about this from the Raiders' perspective. Nate, from the Patriots' perspective. Seth, you may, you may begin cackling now. Ugh. yeah, I would cackle, but it
0: ended the worst possible scenario for the Chiefs. I mean, just hell. The, the the Raiders were never going to be a threat to the Chiefs. Never. People that thought they were, they were insane. I'm sorry, it was just <laughs> it's just nuts. Um, you like how I apologize immediately every time I say something like that? But it was never going to be a problem. And then. All they needed to do, I read that Sandal column, and I've read a couple other by people that actually understand how the league works. My Mm -hmm. understanding is there are a few things they could have done that could have made it to where they could have done all the same things. Yes. They could have eventually released him, and Brown wouldn't have been able to sign anywhere else. And, man, John, couldn't you have just taken an extra second and been petty? Just be a little more petty. Just be like, no, 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 no. I want to release him, but that's what he wants. Is there a way we can completely hose this guy to where he cannot sign anywhere else too? Is there a way we can do that? And you know what? I bet Mike Mayock would have known that way. And I'm just so frustrated that John Gruden's utter incompetence, which is normally hysterical, and has been throughout this thing. It was like one of those things, like like one of those gifts where you have someone laughing hysterically and someone's like, oh, no, because I was like, <laughs> ah, ha, ha it's going down in Oakland. You guys are a host. What do you mean, New England? I mean, it was yeah. that fast. Yeah. And you will never yeah. convince me New England hadn't worked some stuff out with him in advance because that contract happened
1: quick. My favorite thing, and so I saw you mention this, and then I mentioned this also. Um, I mean, I, I think I said it probably better and, and uh, certainly better and probably first. But uh, it was hilarious. To watch people go, oh, this guy's a cancer. No, so that Chiefs be interested. No, my God, no. An XFL team shouldn't be interested. Oh, my God, the Patriots signed him. What do they know? Like, yeah, man, yeah. that's how it works. Like, the Patriots are going to sign great players and then figure it out. Like, maybe you should trust that Andy Reid would also be able to do that if he would have been he interested. He would have figured it out. It would not have gone
0: down the same way that it went down yeah, in Oakland. Like, I, can, I, 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 this Antonio is my a to
1: everyone. No, he, Antonio Brown is a kook. Like that's yep. pretty much inarguable at this point. Uh, he seems like a crazy person, but uh, Bill Belichick or Andy Reid are not John Gruden, and there are actually lots yep. of coaches that aren't John Gruden. Mike Tomlin was simply not John Gruden for like right. years. Uh, yep. Nate, were were the uh, the Patriots tampering with Antonio Brown from early on in this process? Is this just Bill Belichick smelling blood on the water? Also, how scared should Chiefs fans be?
2: all right we've reached the point of the episode where it's time to um dramatize uh how the news arrived so uh here we go i'm i'm now bill belichick uh Uh. yes no yes uh as (laughs) as the news came about so if you're if you're doing this if you're if you're keeping notes as i did of course um, Antonio Brown didn't like the whole helmet situation. And of course, the guy mm-hmm. that he compared himself to was Tom Brady. And so, yeah. hey, Tom Brady, you know, he kept his helmet for as long as possible until the league basically makes him like, oh, I, I want to be Tom Brady. And the league's like, you're not mm-hmm. Tom Brady. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. That being said, Tom Brady changed his helmet. So you go through the whole helmet fiasco. And here's Bill's reaction Hmm, that's interesting. Huh. <laughs> there may be something here, fellas. Hey hey uh hey uh hey we still got Josh Gordon right yeah yeah, yeah. Julian Allman on the team yeah hmm. let's keep an eye on this fellas let's let's keep an eye on this <laughs> and so Antonio Brown continues to be uh, crazy you know he has a whole feet you know he burns his feet or or, or frost bites his feet whatever mm-hmm. um, has a whole helmet issue and then. They suspend him, or they 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 find him, and then he's like, "I want to swing on you," um, <laughs> to the yeah. general manager mm-hmm. Mike Mayock. I want to swing on you. Here's how Bill Belichick took that information in real time. Really? Hmm. <laughs> he said he wanted to to punch Mike Mayock. Interesting.
1: Huh. Let's keep an eye on this, fellas. Let's 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 keep giving me updates. I am
2: obviously game planning for the Steelers, but if anything happens with Antonio Brown, which I'm sure it will, keep me updated. And so in 12 hours, Antonio Brown posts a video on YouTube. Which, by the way, the production oh my god—the production on that so video good. is incredible. Like I, I wanted to root for Antonio Brown, which is like, what is wrong with me? Like this video <laughs> is so well produced that I'm like, I'm like, yeah. Like why, why can't? But again, John Gruden, I mean. I I understand what you're saying, man. You're like, just play football, dog. Like, what are we talking about? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the video comes out. They have to go to Bill Belichick's home, knock on the door, and say, Hey, Bill, it's like 2 a.m. New England time. Uh, He put out a video where he revealed a private conversation with Jack Gruden, to which Bill Belichick said, fine. Interesting. I like where this is headed. Let's stay atop of this. <laughs> Keep me abreasted. <laughs> <laughs> to where Bill Belichick woke up the next morning to news that Antonio Brown wanted to be released, which Bill Belichick said, inform me when this has been completed. <laughs> and
0: I like how Belichick is slowly becoming British as this goes and on.
2: As, and as we, we learned of his release, get me Drew Rosenhaus' phone number. Immediately. So I got on a plane, y'all, from Atlanta to Jacksonville. When I stepped on the plane in Atlanta, everyone in the league was like, you know he's going to the Patriots, right? When I got Mm. off the plane in Jacksonville, which is only like an hour flight, (laughs) y'all, he was on the Patriots, to which Bill Belichick called Drew Rosenhaus and said, Drew, I've seen the news. They've updated me. Uh, Looks like you don't have any options And looks like we need a wide receiver So I'm going to be very clear He will pay attention He will listen He's got a helmet right He's picked a helmet (laughs) You've assured me that he's picked a helmet Cool Um, We're thinking one year deal How much money can you take guaranteed wise To keep him here And if he doesn't live with Tom Brady and Giselle uh, We will take guaranteed (laughs) money away from him Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like and that, that, and just, that concludes our dramatization this week of how yeah, Bill gee. Belichick got <laughs> yes, Antonio yes. Brown. The,
1: oh. the character work that Nate has been debuting throughout this show has been just incredible. I didn't know he had a tight five for both Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick, but uh, so many bills live inside Nate Taylor's mind. It's incredible. Thank you uh, so yeah <laughs> bills. I, that was that was good. I enjoyed that
0: but yeah that's yeah it was always gonna happen. Um, it's frustrating to me how much the Patriots get to f- get to benefit from the incompetence and the fear based analysis that other teams make. Um, it just is what it is though uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see how it goes. I'm not sure how much Tom Brady really wants to live with Antonio Brown.
1: Was, I think he wants to live with him enough to be able to throw him 14 touchdowns this year. Like, I you I think that's probably a, a second, Josh. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if it means I've a seventh a Super Bowl yeah. ring,
2: Tom Brady will do it. Yeah. We've seen it. Okay. He'll, <laughs> he'll, yeah. he'll pay to have I part mean, of his
1: house walled off. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Seth. Uh, Tom Brady hung out with Aaron Hernandez for uh, long enough to have some football success. I don't think Antonio Brown is the craziest dude he's thrown a pass to in his career.
2: What are we talking about here, man? He had, he had a backfield of Aaron Hernandez and Ron Gronkowski. Like, yo, yeah. like, you got to be the greatest quarterback to make that work and to keep everybody in line. Gronk was just like the chill, funny brother compared to the other
1: tight end at that position, a serial killer. What are we talking about here? Oh, God, I don't know if the, I don't know if the Patriots can handle Antonio Brown man. I don't know if Brady and Belichick can handle that that particular challenge. Okay, fair. sorry, <laughs> my bad. Listen, I just Danielle just messaged our Slack to be like, guys, come on, listen. I said I said early, to say that we're out of time, and we are out of time. I said earlier that I was going to get yelled at because I'm a quarterback with bad clock management. But the, what I think happened there is I threw the ball to Nate, and he would not get out of bounds. And so now we're here over <laughs> an hour on time, Zars, and that's I think that's how it should be. We have still not talked about Tyree Kill getting extended. Uh, give me one word each, quick. Tyree Kill extension fill in the blank. Nate. Uh, it just expected. It was going to happen.
2: So here we Seth. are.
1: Seth. Good. Love it. Uh, This has been Time's Ours right here on The Athletic. We have shows on Fridays also. If you're listening to this one through your favorite podcasting app, first of all, thank you. Second of all, you go give us a rating and a review and I'd really appreciate it. And uh, third of all, if you are subscribed to The Athletic, you get our Friday Athletic-only episodes where we'll preview the game this week obviously against the Raiders. Maybe we'll talk about Tyreek Hill a little more. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Lots of stuff will happen. We also owe you more conversation about the defense, I think, and I imagine some things will happen over the course of this next week to give you lots more to talk about. You can follow Nate on Twitter at Taylor. Seth is at real MN Chiefs fan. I'm at JB Briscoe. You can tweet about the show with the hashtag times ours, Nate.
2: as we sign off every week. Who will I dramatize as an NFL head coach next? <laughs> <laughs>